Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. And also John chapter 4 here in just a second. So, so there's this guy, he's a truck driver. And he was driving down the road one day and coming down the interstate and he noticed this other truck that appeared to be broken down on, on the side of the road. He saw the driver out underneath, uh, looking underneath the hood of the truck and so he pulls his truck over to see if he can help the guy out. So the guy said, oh, man, I'm just so thankful that you stopped to help me out. He said, I've got this load of penguins on, on my truck. And, and he said, I tell you what, he said, if you will take these penguins to the zoo, I'll give you $500. The guy said, well, that's awesome. He said, I, I just dropped off a load a few miles back, and I'll be more than glad to take your penguins to the zoo. So they loaded up all the penguins. There's a, there's about 500 penguins, and they loaded them all up in the truck. The guy took off. Well, the next day, the guy who had the broken-down truck was driving through town. And he looked up, and he sees this other truck driver walking through town with about 500 penguins following him. The guy gets out, and he says, hey, 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 buddy, hey, buddy. He said, hey, dude, he said, you know, I gave you $500 to take these penguins to the zoo. What in the world are you doing? The guy said, well, I did. I took him to the zoo with the money left over. We're going to go to the movies. And we'll probably have ice cream later on tonight. <laughs> Not for sure the guy really understood the intention and the purpose. And could it be that describes us at times in our lives. That maybe we get a little confused, or we misunderstand, or we don't hear real clear what is God's intent and what is God's purpose for our lives. Starting today till we transition. We're going to be talking about what it means to discover or to find your purpose. We know that this is something that people deal with all the time. In fact, as my kids get older, we've had conversations uh, the past couple of weeks as Katie's thinking about college next year and, and Brady's a sophomore and we're getting him to understand there's a whole lot more to life than dribbling a basketball. And, and we're having conversations very intentionally with our kids about where are you going, what are you going to do, what do you feel like God's plan is for your life. So over the next several weeks, we want to help our congregation to discover and to have a better sense of God's plan for all of our lives. And yes, there is a strategy behind this up front, and that is the realization that as we prepare to transition, that it's going to take all of us serving in the body of Christ. It's going to take all of us. Uh, there's going to be so many opportunities, even now today, 
there's needs that are going to arise. And really what tends to happen is you, a need arises and, and then there's a, a movement of, of God or he, he moves you in regard to your passion, to your gifting, and then you find a place of ministry and service in the body of Christ. And so we want to be very intentional in just making the church aware that God's going to bring us so many opportunities. He already is. And we just want you to feel like you're plugged in and you have your place and you have your purpose, not just in the body of Christ, but also in your life. Today we're looking in Luke chapter 2. We're also going to look at John chapter 4. And as we begin to talk about this subject of finding or discovering our purpose, one of the questions that we come to is kind of like this. Is purpose something you find or is it something that finds you? Uh, if you want to take notes today, I'd encourage you to do this because I'm going to share some very practical stuff with you today that I would encourage you to write down. You'll find a place to take notes on the back of your bulletin in regards to this series, I serve discovering my purpose, identifying or finding my purpose. One of the questions we start with is purpose something you find? Or is it something that finds you? Or maybe it's a combination of both. You know, some people approach this and, and they think, okay, God's got this very specific plan for my life. And now I must go out and I must search high and low, uh, you know, maybe even get on the ground and, and listen for signs. Well, it might be around the corner, you know. Anything that I can do to get a sense of what God is saying to me in my life about my purpose, that thing that I'm supposed to do. And you know, some people approach finding their purpose like finding a mate. Some people think, well, you know, there's one person that God has out there for me. There's this one person. And so what I've got to do is I've got to... I've got to go over, I've got to scour the planet and look everywhere all over this planet and, and, and hope that I find that one person for me. Can I get an amen? Anybody wondering about the one person for me? And some say, yeah, amen. I'm looking for the one person. And the other goes, I think I found them. Uh, not amen, but oh me, right? Whatever, right? But could it be as it is with finding that person, maybe there's several, not an endorsement of polygamy, by the way, but could it be that there might be several good options? That there could be different people who might be a really good fit for you in your life? Could it be that when it comes to like finding that person, that you may have more freedom in this. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless. It could be when it comes to discovering or finding what God wants you to do in your life, that maybe it's the same way. That there might be several things that you could be really good at, that you would find to be fulfilling, that would honor and please God in your life. Today we're going to look at a couple of things 
in Jesus' life that I think will really help us out in this. But before we get there, I want to give you some very, very practical things that might help you in this journey of discovering your purpose. I came across this uh, through a blog site. A person wrote an article, and the article was entitled, Seven Strange Questions That Might Help You Find Your Purpose. Seven Strange Questions That Might Help You Find Your Purpose. I'm not going to give you the name of the person who wrote this because I might not, this might not be someone who we might endorse uh, wholeheartedly in regards to other things that they write in their life. And if you want to know more about this article, you're welcome to come find me. I'll give you the details on it. But seven strange things that might help you define your purpose. And it starts kind of like this. Instead of asking the question, what is my purpose? Why don't you start by asking yourself, what can I do with my time that is really important? What can I do with my time that is really important? Because here's the thing. All of us have the same amount of time, right? Any given day, any given month, any given year. In that time frame, we all have the same amount of time. And when it comes to moving toward what can I do with my time that is really important, one of three things, and maybe all three might have to happen. First of all, there's addition. We may have to say, you know what? There's some things that I want to do, some things that I need to do in my life. I need to add these to my life. Somebody might say, well, you know what? My time is already so full. So I need to subtract before I add. And it might mean that as God moves in your life, as the Spirit moves in your life, as you seek to identify what's really important, you may have to evaluate your life and say, you know what? In order for me to add, I've got to subtract. I've got to do away with some things that are taking my time. And for all of us, there will be an exchange. There will absolutely be an exchange. Because all of our time is filled with something. So no matter what we do, if it's pursuing something else that's really important to us, there's going to have to be an exchange. We're going to have to exchange something we're doing with part of our time for something else that we might not be doing. That's very important that we understand that. Even as we come to seek the heart and the will of God for our lives, God may move upon your life in such a way that He says, okay, here's addition. In order for you to add, you must subtract. Here's subtraction. But know for certain there's going to be an exchange that happens because you only have so much time in your life. The seven questions, and the first one is this. And this is, again, so very practical. What can you put up with and tolerate and still keep going? What can you put up with and tolerate and still keep going? Uh, any of you guys been in a career for over 10 years? Raise your hand. In a career for over 10 years. Uh, anybody? Maybe you retired. Maybe you were in a career over 20 years, over 30 years. Anybody in a career for over 40 years? 
How many of you can raise your hand and say, I worked for the same company for over 40 years? Anyone? You got one guy, two guys right here. The same company over 40 years. That's amazing. Is that not amazing? That's incredible. The question is, what can you put up with and tolerate and still keep going? And here's what I think these guys would say to you if you're a student in school, really, really important, pay attention. Everything involves sacrifice. Amen? Anything worthwhile in your life is going to involve sacrifice. And everything really stinks some of the time. Can I get an amen? Everything involves sacrifice. And everything really stinks some of the time. Of the time. So here's what you do. You say, you know what? I really can't work an 80 hour a week. Okay? Then don't be a trial lawyer. Someone says, I got a weak stomach. Okay? Don't work in a fish market. I don't want to be on call 24 7. Don't be a doctor. Don't be a minister. Someone says, I can't handle being critiqued, then don't be an artist. Next question. Love this one. What is true about you today that would make your eight-year-old self cry? What is true about you today that would make your eight-year-old self cry? guy who wrote this article said, he said, when I was a kid, I used to love to write, love to draw. I would write about my life, about my experiences. I would draw action figures and my heroes. Love, it was so fulfilling to me in my life. I found so much joy in writing or drawing. But as my life has gone on, he said, I've looked over the course of my life and I don't do that anymore. And that's something that is really missing in my life. What is it that, that you're not doing today that would make your eight-year-old self cry. As soon as I read this, I started thinking about things in my life that I used to really enjoy doing that were fulfilling to me. And I'll be honest with you, some of these things were things that I met God. I met God there. And I experienced God there. And because of the busyness of life and the busyness of ministry, those are some of the things that I don't do anymore today because I don't have what? I say, I don't have what? I don't have time. Hang on to this one. We're going to look at Scripture. What makes you forget to eat and poop? What makes you forget to eat and to poop? Supposedly, in his prime, Isaac Newton's mother had to regularly come in and remind him to eat and to go to the restroom. He would go entire days, Isaac Newton would go entire days so absorbed in his work that he would forget. Some of you, some of our kids today are so enthralled with video games that they forget to eat and they forget to take care of their business. The guy who wrote this article said, he said, years ago, I used to be so involved in video games. I spent hours upon hours. I enjoyed it so much. But then here's what he did. He began, listen to this. This is huge for parents. He began to reflect upon why. Why did he enjoy that so much? And here's what he discovered about himself. He enjoyed the challenge. 
He enjoyed trying to be better each time he played. He enjoyed the idea of self-improvement. He enjoyed the idea of competing with others. As an adult, he took those things that were behind, what he discovered was maybe not a great use of his time, but he discovered what was in his heart that was making him tick. And so many of our kids today are simply not involved or they're not challenged with other things in life that help them move along to being better, to improving, to being challenged. Jesus in John chapter 4, watch this. In John chapter 4, this is where Jesus was with the Samaritan woman. You remember the story? They're at Jacob's well. And he's having this conversation with the Samaritan woman, going through kind of her life with her. It's in John chapter 4. And the disciples had been gone away for a while. And then they come to Jesus. And they come to him in verse 31 of John chapter 4. And they've kind of been gone away. It's just Jesus and the woman at the well. And they come to him. And if you remember that story, they come to him. And they say to him, Rabbi, eat. Uh, verse 31. In the meanwhile, the disciples were requesting him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Rabbi, eat. Rabbi, eat. Why would they be saying, Rabbi, eat? Because they had gone off into town, and most likely they had found something to eat. But Jesus was so enthralled with his, this ministry to this woman at Jacob's well that Jesus hadn't taken time to do what? He hadn't taken time to eat. So they come to him, and they say to Jesus, Rabbi, eat. Now, notice what Jesus says next. He said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. The disciples, therefore, were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? So here's what they're doing. Jesus says, I've got food here that you don't know about. And so they're starting to look around going, okay, where's the sandwich that he's hidden? Where's the crackers in his pocket? I don't see any crumbs around his sandals. What in the world is, like in Jesus' fashion, in Jesus' fashion, he always says things that there is a deeper meaning and a deeper significance to. And he says, you know, I have food you don't know about. They're looking around saying, okay, where is this food? No one, verse 33, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? And then Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. I love the King James translation of this, and I don't have it for you. I think the King James translation says something to the effect, um, my meat, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me. My meat, my protein, my sustenance, and my nourishment is to do the will of him who sent me. My meat, my food. Say that with you, my food, my food, my food, that which drives me, that which causes me to forget about the time, that which causes me to lose track of everything else in my life, that, my food, say it again, my food 
my food. At least two of you are participating. My food, my meat, is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. What makes you forget to eat and forget the food? What do you really, really find fulfilling in your life? For Jesus, it was the will of God as He invested in the lives of other people. Here's a good one. How can you better embarrass yourself? This is number four if you're keeping up. How can you better embarrass yourself? You know, people tend to avoid trying things that might embarrass them or make them feel uncomfortable. Trying something new can be very intimidating. You see this in Scripture with people who had a divine encounter. They had a divine encounter, and God said, i got something I want you to do. Like Moses, for example. Moses comes back to God and says, you know, you want me to go talk to Pharaoh? Listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't talk very good. I don't talk very good. I can't talk good. I get nervous standing in front of people and, and talking. I don't talk very good. I, I can't do this. And he was interested about some of the things that actually God leads us to do. He might lead us to do the very things he knows you can't do. He might lead you to do the very thing that you know you can't do. And the reason he might call you to that or give you the opportunity to do it is so that your trust will not be in yourself, but your trust will be in it. It gives God the opportunity to show out in your life. So many times we shy away from things that we think are embarrassing or intimidating because we're uncomfortable. But keep in mind that something new, something different. And not too long ago, my, my mom started attending this particular exercise class. It was great for her. It was something out of the box. She enjoyed it. She tried it. Something new. What can you do to better embarrass yourself? I love this one. How are you going to save the world? It's okay. In fact, did you know that research bears it out that to live a happy and healthy life, we must hold on to values that are greater than our own pleasure or satisfaction. Research bears it out that to live a happy and healthy life, we must hold on to values that we consider to be bigger or more important than ourselves. How are you going to save the world? The world's got problems. The world's got issues. Theologically, the world is drowning in sin. What might you be able to do with your time that you can plug in or engage in such a way that could help the world, that could really help another person? Recently, God gave me an opportunity. And the opportunity that I thought it was was much more deeper and significant than what it really was. And through that opportunity, I began to realize some things in some people's lives. And I thought, God, you called me. I thought you were giving me this opportunity to do this. But the reality is I'm here at this level and I'm doing that for that reason. And I realize there is a need in people's lives that I had no, I had no clue about. 
What can you do with your time to make a difference? And we are going to put out in front of you, and I'm going to scream it from the housetop, the body of Christ. I'm going to scream it from the housetop, the body of Christ. I'm going to scream it from the housetop. If there is any hope for this fallen world, God says it's in the church, the body of Christ. I'm going to scream it from the housetop. There is no other organization, institution, organism, or entity on this planet that God has called to make a difference in this world like he's called the body of Christ. But yet, when it comes to involvement, so many times we say, I just don't have If you had to, number six, if you had to leave the house all day, every day, where would you go and what would you do? If you had to leave the house all day, every day, where would you go and what would you do? This answers the question, what are you really passionate about in life? What are you really passionate about in life? Did you know that passion is the result of action? Passion is the result of action, not the cause of it. Passion is the result of action. It's not the cause of it. In other words, you do not know what you're passionate about or what you really enjoy doing or find fulfilling until you actually try to do it. Your passion does not precede action. Action precedes passion, and when there's fulfillment in the action, your passion burns even more. People do not burn out from serving. People burn out from serving that they perceive to be meaningless. People do not burn out from serving. People burn out from serving that they perceive to be meaningless. And that's where they lose their passion. What are you passionate about? Jesus, in answering this question, you know what I think he would say? People. I think Jesus was passionate about people. If you had to leave the house all day, every day, where would you go? What would you do? And by the way, fulfilling passion is a full contact sport. It involves trial and error, success and failure. Here's the last one, number seven. If you knew you were going to die one year from today, what would you do and how would you want to be remembered? Not to be morbid. Not to cast a shadow or a cloud upon your life. But the reality is that all of us, we're going to do what? We're all going to... It's going to happen. If you knew that you were going to die one year from today, what would you do and how would you want to be remembered? 
This answers questions about our priorities. This will answer questions about what we really value. And this will answer questions about any kind of legacy we would like to leave when we're gone. Here's another way to answer this question because in encountering people in the life of the church, whether it's adults or students, I hear so many times people say, I really wish I could do this. I really wish I could do that. I really wish I had done that or been a part of this or been a part of that. I didn't have time, but I do look back and I say, you know what, as time has passed me by, there's things I really wish I had made time for. This answers the question, What? listen to me, what do you not want to regret in your life? What do you what do you want to not regret in your life? When you think about your life today, when you think about in a year from now, what if I were to die? In that moment before I die and I look back, what do I want to be able to say? You know what, I really don't want to have regrets about this. I don't want to have regrets about that. I don't want to look back and regret this. What is that? How is God speaking into your life today to evaluate, to examine your priorities, your values, and any kind of legacy that you would hope to leave? And as much as we love students, and as much as we invest in students and in their lives, students, listen to me. Where's my middle school guys that were way back there? If you're in middle school, way back there, raise your hand for me for just a second, okay? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I remember when I was in middle school, and I want to forget it, to be honest with you. Anybody else would love to forget middle school? Sorry, we, we're trying to brighten your day, okay? I mean, if there's anything close to purgatory, I think it's middle school. I mean, be self-deprecating and it's okay. I mean, most of y'all know who've ever seen me wear a pair of shorts, you know, God bless me with bird legs, right? I mean, if I traded legs with a blue jay, the blue jay would get cheated. When I was in middle school, I, 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 hated, I hated my legs. I would wear sweat, sweatpants under my jeans just to make my legs look bigger. I know you're thinking, Brother Allen, you should have said under your own teaching to be secure about your identity in Christ and you would have worn short shorts every day of your life, right? But the reality is, you know, when I was in middle school, man, it just seemed like life was just so out there and so wide open and there was so much to do and so much to experience. It seemed like my whole life was in front of me. But the reality is that we have middle school students who go on to be with the Lord all the time. I mean, God's not, listen to me, God's not going to wait for you to grow up before He enters your life and submits anything that He might want you to do. I mean, if you're buying the lie that I'll start walking with God after high school or after middle school, you're wasting some incredible time. Can I get an amen? I mean, does anybody believe that? Is there anybody who embraces that? Is there any parent here today who would honestly say, with all the money, all the time, all the stuff that we invest in this or that, at the end of the day, that's not the most important thing in life. 
But when it comes to thinking about your life and what the next year could bring, when I say there's no guarantees that a year from now any of us will be sitting together over there or wherever we are, there's no guarantee to that. So even today in your life, what do you not want to regret? Priorities, values, and legacy. I remember there's a place in the book of Hebrews. It's in that section, Hebrews 11, Hall of Fame of Faith. And it might be in regards to Cain and Abel. I'm not for sure. Somebody help me real quick. It says that though he be dead, he still does what? Though he be dead, he still does what? He still speaks. That, that means that what you do in life and, and whatever that purpose is that you identify and, and discover, it's going to outlive you. Have any of y'all ever been to Asbury Cemetery? Asbury Cemetery is a very old cemetery in Calvary County. I actually have a cousin who's buried in Asbury Cemetery. I'm telling you, it's one of the spookiest cemeteries you'll ever go to. Even in the daytime, it'll, it'll freak you out, even in the daytime. Anybody, I see that was hands again. Anybody been over to Asbury Cemetery? Some of you might be going... I don't really want to admit what I was doing the rest of the night when I went to Asbury. It wasn't to a visitation or a funeral service, I promise, but God sees that hand. And aren't you glad that He forgives all sin, right? Okay, so anyway, there is a tombstone in Asbury Cemetery. Uh, it's one of the oldest cemeteries in Callaway County. There's a tombstone that says about a lady who's there, the mother of 21 sons. Is that not a legacy? Holy cow. We know why she died, right? I mean, we know why she died. Some of you are going, I've got two and they're killing me. Amen? I've got three. He's got three. You go, oh, Lord, dang. You know, that's why, Dr. that's why Dr. James Dobson says, that through your adolescent years, the name of the game is survival. That's it. Even when you're dead and you're gone, there's memories and there's epitaphs and things of your life that will be remembered. If you knew you were going to die one year from day, what would you do? And how would you want it to be remembered? Next week, we're going to dive into the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to suggest to you that when it comes to purpose, there's a good possibility that your purpose is something that you grow into throughout your life. That your purpose is something that you grow into throughout your life. That when you look at the life of Jesus and what Scripture says about him in his early childhood years, 
how he spent his time. Even at the age of 12, at the age of 12, the Scriptures suggest that Jesus was growing into his purpose. And if Jesus was growing into his purpose, then there's a good possibility that today, as you seek to do the will of the Father, that you're going to grow into your purpose. If anything in the series, what we want to do for you is to take some of the weight and some of the pressure off. And we just want to encourage you to pursue a walk with God in your life. And then you can trust that when God says, hey, come over here, then you just go over there with Him. If God says, hey, come over here, then you just go over there with Him. If God says, hey, today we're going, or this next year, we're going way over there. Then all you do is just walk with Him. But it's really, really important for all of us at the end of the day to feel like we are in and we're fulfilling and we're a part of our purpose. So as you stand with us today,